4: Just big stories out there as we get ready for the Super Bowl on Sunday, the Rams and the Lions have stolen the early Super Bowl news thunder and we'll be talking about, I'm sure, the Chiefs and the Bucks a ton as this week progresses. Uh, We are in uh, our normal studio setting as opposed to being live on Radio Row, which we have done for the past several years because this is, of course, an abnormal year. They are not having a typical Radio Row, and so uh, we would ordinarily be down in Tampa. Instead, we are in our respective locations, L.A. for the crew out in L.A., uh, and Nashville for Dub and myself, but we have spent a lot of time talking about Matthew Stafford to the Rams and also Jared Goff to the Lions because, frankly, situations like these don't happen very often in the NFL. Uh, And I want to hit you with a couple of stats here. The Rams are so enamored of Matthew Stafford who, according to a lot of different NFL media out there, there were a lot of teams that were interested in Matthew Stafford. But the Rams have used four first-round picks, two second-round picks, and two third-round picks to get Matthew Stafford. That is the very essence of Super Bowl or bust. And this is kind of wild, too. We have a crazy situation right now where we have not seen a number one overall draft pick ever traded for another number one overall draft pick. So Jared Goff, certainly number one overall draft pick of the Rams, traded for the number one overall draft pick of the Detroit Lions many years ago, Matthew Stafford. We also have a really fascinating, as I was talking about an hour or two of this program, a really fascinating window into the Rams thumbing conventional league wisdom on its face here and saying, we're not going to care about our first round pick. Because the Rams are now not scheduled to have a first-round pick in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, and 2023. That is seven straight years that the Rams are scheduled to have traded away their first-round draft pick. Now, to be fair, something could happen in the next two years. They could make a move uh, to end up back in the draft with a first-round pick. They could trade more picks to get there. But we just legitimately have not seen this actually ever take place. And so this is a thoroughly engrossing and wildly interesting situation going forward for the Rams and the Lions. The Lions sort of perpetually in rebuild mode. We'll see whether Jared Goff can be a guy that can be a difference maker for them or not. Whether they can use those uh, draft picks judiciously. Whether Dan Campbell is going to be a successful head football coach with the culture that he is building there, or if the Rams are, sorry, if the Lions are going to continue to be the team that has only won one playoffs uh, game since 1957. So we'll see what ends up happening in Detroit and whether Jared Goff is going to ride off basically into the football sunset as a guy who got to the Super Bowl was good enough to win an NFC championship game, and never really was able to take that next step, it seems clear that Sean McVay is fed up and finished with Jared Goff and that their relationship, if it was struggling last year, officially was torn asunder this year. And if you remember on this show, we played you last week the audio of Les Snead, the GM of the, uh, of the Rams, And when he said that the future was a beautiful mystery with Jared Goff and that Goff was the quarterback for right now, that was as clear of a signal as you could possibly have that Jared Goff's tenure with the Rams was on its way out. Now, if you are making the bullish case for the Rams, it is that they were in the divisional round of the playoffs, despite the fact that Matthew Stafford is way better in theory than Jared Goff. And so Stafford could be the guy that helped to get you back to the NFC Championship game and back to the Super Bowl. In fact, this is according to Dan Orlovsky, the last six years of Stafford's career, his team has averaged 89 yards rushing per game. Last year, the Rams averaged 126 yards per game. Uh, Stafford has had a 100 yard back in a game just 11 times in 12 years. The Rams did it five times last year alone and Stafford has had a top ten defense one time in his twelve seasons in uh Detroit. He went eleven and five that year, so this is a uh a draft and a uh and a pick scenario that is going to be debated for a long time. What do we think who's going to win? What are the scenarios? I tweeted out. On Sunday night, because I wanted you guys to be able to vote, over 30,000 of you have voted, and it could not have been more dead even. Who wins the trade the day after the trade, the Monday after the trade now, two days later, the Rams and the Lions, and 51% of you say Goff, and the pick to the Lions is the winning side of this trade, 49% of you say Stafford to the Rams. I agree with the 49% saying Stafford to the Rams. And sometimes you got to trust your immediate reaction to trades like these. I went uh, over the weekend, a couple of buddies and I went up to Knoxville and we watched uh, the Kansas City Jayhawks, uh, the Kansas City Jayhawks, Kansas Jayhawks play against the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, College basketball games, only a few thousand people in Thompson Bowling Arena. After that game, we went out to dinner uh, for a little bit of a late dinner because the game was over around eight. We got out for dinner well, about 10. And I'm sitting there, and my phone suddenly blows up. And my first thought when I saw that Matthew Stafford was headed to the Rams is he's going to kill it with Jared Goff because they have incredible running back talent, young guys, who are by committee approach. I love their wide receivers. I think the play-action game is going to be invaluable for Matthew Stafford, and he doesn't really need to be great very often because you have one of the best defenses in the NFL with arguably the two best defensive players, Aaron Donald on the defensive line and uh, Jalen Ramsey at corner. If the defense plays as well this coming season as they did last year, you will have a team very capable of winning the toughest division in the NFC, NFC West, and you will have an offense that is far more dynamic and able to accomplish a great deal through the play-action passing game, which I think can be somewhat similar for Matthew Stafford to the career revitalization that we saw for Ryan Tannehill with the Titans when suddenly the ability to run the football opened up throwing lanes in a massive way for Ryan Tannehill that had never existed prior in his career. So even though 49% of people are saying they think that the the Rams got the best end of this deal. I actually agree with the 49% here, not the 51. What about you, Dub? Did these reactions to the poll surprise you and who would you say won this trade?
0: The poll shocked me, to be frank, to be frank, because I thought it would be kind of a runaway. You know, some of these polls are 50-50 like this one, but some of them, you know, can be 80-20 in that range. I was sure that the you know the vast majority of the public
4: people love to vote in these polls, right, and I always say it's a sign of a perfect poll if we end up roughly fifty fifty right if if it's roughly fifty fifty, it's a perfect poll question because it means that there's a real debate out there for the issue that we're discussing,
0: yeah, and just you know sometimes you just gotta make things simple when you know trying to read and react to these kind of things. And I'm sorry to everyone in Detroit, but what if the Lions ever won? Yeah. I mean, what makes people think that the Lions won this trade when the best player in the deal is the player that's leaving your team and going to another? So to me, the Rams' missing piece this entire year was the quarterback position, and I think they filled it with probably the best guy they could have realistically filled it with in Matthew Stafford.
4: What do you think about my thesis that I've been laying out throughout today's show that the Rams are thumbing their nose at the conventional wisdom in the NFL that draft picks are worth gold bullion.
0: I, I agree with what they're doing because when you just think about it, you know what you're getting with Matthew Stafford, and you know they knew what they were getting when they traded for Jalen Ramsey. That's right. You don't know what you're getting with any draft pick that you select. It could be a home run draft pick. It could be a future you know, perennial pro bowler, but it could be someone that plays for two years and you never even remember the guy's name. So to me, I like this strategy because the Rams have a complete team. Now they definitely have a complete team with Matthew Stafford, and I think they're definitely one of the favorites to come out of the NFC right there with Green Bay next season.
4: I also think you can't underrate that the that the, uh, that the the Rams are basically burying their poor decision in giving Jared Goff big contract money. If you went back and pulled the audio from me, this is one of the few things that I got 100% right, I said there was no way Jared Goff was a $100 million quarterback. And I said that at the time. I said, I don't know why there's a rush to sign him to a deal like this. I just haven't seen enough to convince me that he is a $100 million guaranteed quarterback. And so there's a lot of attention on the draft picks and how that might impact the overall value of Deshaun Watson. But a big part of this deal, and I think one reason why the Rams had to give up the picks that they did was because they basically buried Jared Goff's contract on the Detroit Lion roster and their salary cap. And we see this happen a lot in the NBA but it doesn't happen as often in the NFL where a team basically is acknowledging that they signed a poor contract and they're trying to get out of it by getting somebody else to take over that uh, that responsibility. But that's certainly what we are seeing the Detroit Lions do here. Now, if you're a Lions fan or you want to be bullish on the Lions angle here, you can say, look, Jared Goff won the NFC Championship just a couple of years ago. Jared Goff has won the same number of NFC championships as Aaron Rodgers, as Drew Brees, as now Tom Brady. Uh, But so you know he can take a team to the promised land. Now, I tend to think that was Sean McVay, Todd Gurley. There's certainly a lot of elements of that Rams team that, that, that came together to get them to the Super Bowl. But this, to me, is Sean McVay saying now's the time. We have a lot of young talent, solid talent, We think we can make a Super Bowl run in the next three to four years, maybe as soon as next year. We believe that Matthew Stafford is the difference maker, and don't underrate seeing Tom Brady do it this year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because Brady went to a seven and nine Tampa Bay Buccaneer team, and he's got them in the Super Bowl, playing in their home stadium. The first year, Bucs had no culture of winning; twelve straight seasons missing the playoffs. And then, boom, Brady goes on the road, wins at Washington, New Orleans, and Green Bay. And I think that Jared Goff, uh, sorry, that Sean McVay looked at Jared Goff and said, if I replace this guy with Matthew Stafford, we can have a uh, run like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just had in the NFC. And to me, one of the most intriguing aspects of this decision-making going forward is how hard it is to even think To even think about the possibility of what the San Francisco 49ers, Chicago Bears, Indianapolis Colts, and a lot of other teams out there that are desperately in need of a quarterback, what they are going to be doing now that Matthew Stafford is off the table. And by the way, this ties in with what we were talking about last week when I was saying, hey, I only feel like maybe 12 players out there are really locked and loaded at their particular location. And I told you last week, I said, Jared Goff's gone, just based on what GM Lesnead said in his commentary last week. What do you got, Dub?
0: Well, yeah, you mentioned Goff's contract, and the Rams are basically acknowledging, yeah, that was a horrible decision. I think they would have given up two first-round picks just to get rid of the contract with Goff. So to me, this, is, this makes me like the trade even more from the Rams' perspective because that contract was so, so awful. Just getting that off your books, I think, is worth at least – one and a half first round picks if you will
4: yeah it it is going to be really interesting because the the next step is what happens with deshaun watson based on this deal the texans certainly know i think hey three first rounders is not out of the realm of possibility and in addition to first round picks there may be a couple of additional players that we think are starters that we could add as well this is outkick the coverage with clay travis We are joined now by Dr. David Chow at ProFootballDoc on Twitter, and we have arrived, Dr. Chow, at Super Bowl week. Uh, And usually, I talked about this earlier in the show, usually Super Bowl week means what? It means that we are out and about, you know, wherever the Super Bowl may be. This year it's in Tampa, but it's a non-traditional Super Bowl week. In fact, everything feels and looks totally different than it ordinarily would uh, but I told you that we wanted to talk on Monday and on Friday of this week to make sure that we had the absolute most up to date details in terms of uh, health status for both Chiefs and Bucks players. So some of this may alter and evolve throughout the week. The first thing I would say that's non traditional about this Super Bowl is you have the Bucks who are already in Tampa. And then you have the Chiefs, who are only flying in, I think, the day before the game. So they basically are treating the Super Bowl as the equivalent of a road trip. In fact, a road trip that they had already taken uh, from Kansas City to Tampa once before. Uh, so let's start uh, kind of breaking down this situation. COVID has been the overarching threat of the entire NFL season. Opening weekend of wildcard action... Stefanski and some Kevin Stefanski, the head coach of the Browns and some of the players on the Browns had some COVID issues. But knock on wood, since that point, the uh, NFL playoffs, I think you can tell me if I'm wrong, have been pretty, uh, pretty free of COVID. And we haven't really had major issues.
1: Yeah, that, that's correct, and it actually makes sense. Look, uh, COVID hasn't gone away in society yet. Yes, vaccines are, are starting to roll out, but really what it comes down to is, A, a numbers game, and B, more diligence. The numbers game, because instead of 32 teams playing, you know, obviously we're down to two. So right there, you have a 116th chance mathematically of someone testing positive from before. And now you're inside the window here where if anyone tested positive, they would Automatically be ruled out of the Super Bowl, period, end of discussion. This goes from coaches to staff to players. And no one wants that to happen. This is the moment that you've been waiting for all season. So understandably, I think teams have already been on lockdown. Ironically, you might say that Tampa has the easier time because they're at home, but in some ways that's more difficult, right? Whereas the chiefs, you know, uh, can really definitely lock down a little more easier and be in a regular routine without the fanfare that's uh, that's in Tampa. So that'll be interesting to see and watch, but I'm quite sure. All teams are being very, very careful. You know, uh, access, especially when you get down anyways to a Super Bowl, even though it's late week, security is pretty tight. But I'm sure it's even locked down more than typical because no one wants to test positive and miss the big game.
4: No doubt at all. All right, let's dive into the actual health status of both teams. So an extra week to get ready to get healthy uh as we work towards this game taking place on Sunday, let's start with the Chiefs, who are the team from the AFC that will be traveling in. How would you assess the overall health status of the Chiefs and who are some players that maybe fans should be paying attention to who uh who are thinking about how to bet this game or analyze maybe some Super Bowl prop bets? How would you assess that?
1: Well, first of all, you know, all attention is on 15, right? Number 15 and Patrick Mahomes concussion or not, that issue is behind him. The issue of the turf toe will not be. There's no way you can be completely healed from a turf toe when he plays in the Super Bowl. It'll be four weeks. And there even even is some rumors or reports of potential surgery after the season. Don't know if that's true or not, but the carbon fiber plate, the tape, the uh, game day injection, he's been listed at full practice so far. Of course, he's going to play. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the running back, should finally get back to where he's really a regular contributor. So that might change things a little bit. Sammy Watkins, I think, is a little iffy on his calf still, but the way that they schemed with the quick underneath passes instead of the deep balls, he might be phased out anyways a little bit. But the attention for the Chiefs has to be on their offensive line. Look, there's been a lot of word out there that they're missing both tackles. They've missed Mitchell Schwartz since like week six, and that's key. And now they're down Eric Fisher, who tore his Achilles. Yes, it's a big deal they lost both tackles, but I could argue, argue that it's even a bigger deal than that because of the uh, downstream effect with Eric Fisher down backup right tackle Mike Remmers flips from the right side to the left side right guard backing up for Lorraine. Duvernay Tardif, who opted out beginning of the season, Andrew Wiley, now kicks out to right tackle. And uh, Stefan Wisniewski, who was released by the Steelers in November and signed with the Chiefs, comes into play right guard. And obviously, Colecchio Semmelli was lost early season. So you could argue from what the Chiefs drew up as their starting five, four of the five are going to be different. Number two, right number two left tackle number two left guard number three right guard and number three right tackle so that's going to be something key to watch
4: all right so the chief side of the equation what about uh and by the way i want to get your your read from a health perspective on the big trade uh which obviously we've been talking about a great deal you don't see happen very often two starting quarterbacks being flipped uh in the nfl but what would you say about uh, the tampa bay Buccaneers from a health perspective
1: well, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are heading in the right direction. Ronald Jones should probably be the 1A back and Leonard Fournette back to uh, the 1B where he's more the pass catcher. Uh, the uh, Obviously, Alex Kappa, the right guard, is still out with the ankle fracture. And uh, Vita Vea returning is big for their defensive line. And I think this game might be won or lost on uh, the defensive line of the Bucks with uh, JPP, Jack Barrett, and Vita Vea. Can they get after uh, Mahomes, etc.? But what to watch for defensively is the safeties. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. should be back from the ankle. However, uh, big question mark with uh, Jordan Whitehead with his left shoulder. Uh, my fear is that he actually tore his pec and is putting off surgery till after the Super Bowl and trying Trying to make a valiant attempt to play through that, so that's what to, that's what's to watch for the Bucks. When you, when and of you course, think... Antonio Brown, Antonio hey. Brown, you know, question mark? You know, look, he was. Don't be scared. He was listed as doubtful, but that's if the game were. Yesterday, on Sunday, right? They give a projection on Friday. There'll be a new projection this coming Friday, and I think it'll end up being a coaching decision if Arians wants to use them or use uh, Scotty Miller still in the slot.
4: Is there a way that you have noticed that teams discuss injuries in Super Bowl week that is different than they might during the regular season or even during the playoffs? Have you picked up on any sort of subtle differences in terms of the way that they use the injury
1: report? Okay. <laughs> Well, there's no question it's unusual because there's injury reports in this in this uh, down week, right? And there's game projections for a game that doesn't exist yesterday, right? And yes. so it's a little bit different. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's unusual how teams do it. And I'm not saying anyone is right or wrong. Let's say what they did with Antonio Brown listed in his doubtful or the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes saying he's full practice. Now, that may be true, he's full practice, but there's no way he's 100% with that turf toe. So uh, I think the key is to read between the lines in terms of what it is there is a variation of what's legal for teams to do and I think they're all doing it the right way but there's some variation of interpretation and heck I'm sure we'll get to it as we talk about Goff and how they listed his thumb so to speak uh, towards the end of the season
4: um okay we had you, you mentioned Jared Goff there which is an interesting segue into the big trade Matthew Stafford traded to the Rams Jared Goff traded to uh the Lions Matthew Stafford has been a warrior in terms of the number of games that he's been willing to play through 33 years old the Rams are giving up a lot for him and I know look a 33 year old in the NFL is a lot different than a 23 year old but based on Matthew Stafford's injury history is there anything that would give you pause currently about his ability to play at a high level for the next four or five years?
1: Actually, no, and uh, he's had a lot of injuries uh, throughout time, but he's as tough as they come, probably right behind Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers has a long streak, and Matthew Stafford has rivaled him in playing through a bunch of different things, and and I think – Uh, the trade inadvertently can be influenced a little bit by the successes of older quarterbacks, including Tom Brady, right? Right. You look at 33, I think 10 years ago, you'd say 33. We're not trading for someone who's 33. Now you look at Tom Brady and you say, well, maybe this guy can play another 10 years we'll see. Right. And so it's a different uh, trade value there, but yes, the trades cannot be official yet because the new league year hasn't started. And even when that happens, there will have to be a physical pass for Matthews, stafford and jared goff for it to be official but i don't see that to be an issue on either side
4: uh and the jared goff thumb to the extent that it was still a lingering issue at the end of the season it'll be a non-issue by the time he gets into minicamp and as the as as he progresses with the detroit lions
1: yeah, I think it's a complete non-issue. Look, if they fail him over the thumb, that, that means they changed their mind for some reason on the trade, which there's that. been some people yeah. who have
4: said, "Hey, you know, like he has to pass physical," uh where suddenly the uh the Lions decide maybe we don't want to take this big Matthew, I mean, sorry, this big Jared Goff contract as well.
1: Yeah, and 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 here's the thing that the trade told me. Look, uh, Clay, you follow it, and you've an outkick. I was wrong earlier this season. When week 16, Jared Goff broke his thumb and dislocated he played the rest of the game, the whole fourth quarter without any taper support. After three pins 12 days later, I was sure that he was ready to start and would start, and he didn't. The nod was to John Wolford, and I was saying this doesn't make medical sense. He was ready to start. Was he 100%? Maybe not, but he was ready to play the game. As evidenced, uh, halfway through the first quarter, Wolford went out and Goff played three and a half quarters reasonably. You can argue how effectively, but he certainly finished the game, and the key there is the Rams didn't activate Blake Bortles that day. In other words, they went into the game with Wolford and Goff. If Goff was iffy with his thumb, that's quite a risk in a playoff game to go into it with one and a half quarterbacks, knowing that the hits the quarterbacks take. So that told me his thumb was fine. And that brought into question, and we talked about it on the Outkick podcast, it's on my timeline, where I said, look, uh, the whole topic that next Monday was hiding behind health. And my assumption was the Rams and with the Goff situation, we are hiding behind the thumb a little bit. What they were really saying is Wolford and Goff are a lot closer than we think in terms of evaluation. And with this trade, you can see where it's all come true, where Goff clearly somehow, somewhere along the way, fell out of favor with the Rams and Sean McVay. And it wasn't the thumb, why, just the thumb, why he didn't get that wild card start against the Seahawks.
4: Yeah, there's no doubt at all. Uh, we're talking to Dr. David Chow at Pro Football Doc. Um, I don't think I asked you or gave you an opportunity to talk about Phillip Rivers uh, when he announced that he had retired. I think I, I inadvertently forgot to give you, he wrote a great piece at OutKick, and you just referenced him a little bit here talking about Matthew Stafford and how uh, tough he that uh that that certainly in your experience philip rivers was for people out there who uh maybe have not had the experience which is the vast majority to know what philip rivers is like how would you describe him and what did he play through how tough of a guy was philip rivers compared to i know you deal with a lot of tough guys on a day-to-day basis but did he even stand out even more than many others for his toughness
1: Well, you know, there's certainly others like him, but he certainly was very tough. I mean, after he tore his ACL in the final game in the RCA Dome, he knew he was playing that AFC championship game. There was no doubt in his mind. I mean, he peppered me 17 times on their flight back home saying, let's, uh, let's go get this done and make sure I can play. He so, has so much resolve when we talk about this in the OutKick article. And I really urge people to read it, not for clicks, but it gives you a different side of Philip Rivers, not just the dadgummit bantering on the field or his on-field accomplishments, behind the scenes, everything from uh, him allowing his daughters to paint his toenails, from, from – uh, From him, uh, you know, literally walking off the bus with the torn ACL and the meniscus behind the backs of like 5,000 people welcoming us to this back to the Chargers practice facility because he was so impatient. He was on the third bus, the first player's bus. Bus, He got off early with his bags and walked into the side of the parking lot to get his MRI earlier than, than anything else, because he just couldn't wait to get going. And literally 5,000 fans, if they turned their back, they would have seen their starting quarterback. And the final thing that I have to say is for he's so meaningful to San Diego. Like He really was the only guy from the organization that reached out. Not only did he continue to live in San Diego and commute by – customized van and study film up to L.A. and back and left his family. But when given a local award in 2019, he made it a point of showing up. And you should click on that Outkick article. And Rich Ornberger, a former teammate, posted the clip of how emotional it was, how he personally thanked the city of san diego for all his time there and emotionally said look one day i just hope you and San Diego look out there and see me as and can say that's my quarterback i mean it's he's just that special of a guy you know whether he makes the hall of fame or not i hope he does the on-field accolades i think are well documented but the man behind that i think is something that people should get to know
4: i'm i'm fascinated by how he played with a torn acl like Explain for layman's terms how that is possible to even do.
1: Well, first of all, I'm so naive, you know, at the time when I was in the NFL being the head team position, I didn't talk to any media. I didn't read any of the stuff. And like now that I'm on the media side, it is unfathomable to me that in the 2008 AFC Championship game we hid the fact that he had surgery and, and a torn ACL, you know, and nowadays it just it just wouldn't happen. Look, how did he do it? Uh, first of all, he literally said to me, and he didn't know how true it would be, say, look, I don't want to miss a chance to play in the Super Bowl. I'll take the risks, do what we need to do. I don't know when I'll get back here again. And he was saying that hypothetically. It turned out to be true. It was his only chance in the AFC Championship game. So I know he's glad that he played. But you know, we we had a little medical tricks, did a few things. We scoped him, we drained his knee, all this sort of stuff. Uh, Toughness, used the brace. But let's be fair, as tough as Phillip Rivers is, it's different if you're LT playing through the ACL. It's different if you're Lamar Jackson playing through the ACL. Philip, of all people, wasn't the most mobile guy in the world, to, to be fair. And that's one of the reasons uh, how he was able to tough it out and, uh, and do that.
4: Uh, Dr. Chow, fantastic as always. We will talk to you again on Friday to get the absolute latest from a health perspective right here as we close. Who would you say for people who might be tuning into us right now, who's more healthy right now, the Chiefs or the Bucks, as we get ready to roll into Super Bowl week?
1: The Bucks have the healthier team. But then again, in the championship round, the Packers were healthier than the Bucks, and the Bucks prevailed, and the Bills were healthier than the Chiefs, so the Chiefs prevailed. But right now, the Bucks are healthier than the Chiefs, and you can see that at the injury index and field view at profootballdoc.com.
4: Outstanding stuff. We'll talk to you again uh, Friday. Thank you. That's Dr. David Chow at ProFootballDoc on Twitter. You can track him down there. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis.
3: com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
4: We're going to be pivoting, I'm sure, and talking a ton about the Super Bowl. I do wonder when the Deshaun Watson trade might happen and if it's going to happen at all. And also, how much Matthew Stafford, having now been officially traded, sort of adds an accelerant to all these other different teams out there that are in the mix to try to end up with quarterbacks. Because, for instance, it's one thing for the Rams to go get Matthew Stafford, but I really thought that the Colts were going to make a move to go get Matthew Stafford. And maybe they did. They just didn't want to give up the same uh, amount of value that the Rams are willing to give up for him. But now, you know, you look at a team like the Colts, and I think you could put the Bears in that situation. I think you could put the San Francisco 49ers. I think uh, you could put the New England Patriots, teams that we 100% know need quarterbacks. How many other guys, not only that Matthew Stafford has value as a potential high-end passer, potentially for sure top 10, maybe even with Sean McVay, top five, maybe even MVP caliber ceiling with the right offensive system now surrounding him. How many guys out there Really, are you going to be excited about now if you are a Colts fan, if you're a Bears fan, if you're a Patriots fan, or if you're a 49ers fan? And I'm just tossing out those four teams. I know there are other teams out there that could have some interest levels. But I don't think there is an immediate definite answer. Now, I did like the idea of maybe the Colts go get Matt Ryan. Maybe they think, hey... That's basically the same equivalent quarterback in many ways to Matthew Stafford. And if the Falcons are going to go get a young quarterback, maybe now is the time for them to turn the page on Matt Ryan. And you're playing in a dome already in Atlanta. Maybe there would be an interest for the Indianapolis Colts to go get Matt Ryan. But I thought it would have been an easy trip to make to send Matthew Stafford from Detroit down to Indianapolis, continue to play in domes, I was a little bit nervous a Tennessee Titan fan that I thought that might happen. What would you do, Dub? Like, I mean, because the challenging thing here is not just that the Rams are getting Matthew Stafford. It's that their aggression is putting the San Francisco 49ers in a tough spot. Colts, Patriots, and Bears. All four of those teams really don't have a definite starter right now. And... You know, look, there are guys out there that might be available. I ran through the list of available quarterbacks, and maybe you just sit back and you say, well, if we can't get Andrew Luck to come back, and let's see, maybe we're not going to be able to make a move to go get Matt Ryan. There's a lot of other quarterbacks out there that could be available. But when you start to look at them, remember Dak Prescott still sitting down there uh, with the franchise tag, but he's theoretically able to uh, able to move. Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz, Jimmy G, Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, Mitch Trubisky, Jameis, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Alex Smith, Roethlisberger, it sounds like, is going to take a, uh, take a cut. I mean, who's your guy at those spots? You can try to find a reclamation project, and maybe that's the route that some of these teams are going to go. They're going to try to find their own version of Ryan Tannehill, but I think that's tough. Dub, let's pretend you're the GM of those teams. Like, Who's the most attractive guy? Because I think Stafford was clearly the most attractive guy you could trade for right now. I'm not even sure who the second best on this list is. I mean, we all know Deshaun Watson is the answer, but if you're not going to be able to get Matthew Stafford, only one of those teams, even if it were one of them, would be able to get Deshaun Watson. I don't know. I don't know who you take.
0: Well, you want to talk about a reclamation project? If you want to do the Ryan Tannehill, Jameis Winston, yeah, that could be the name that pops out to me.
4: Yeah, that's the analogy I think that that maybe makes the most sense. Uh, all right, I appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Search out the Outkick podcast. My name Clay Travis. Go give us five stars. Danny G. will have some reviews for you later this week. I appreciate all of you. My thanks to the guest. We had an absolutely loaded Lance Taylor, uh, Sean Merriman, and Doctor David Chow. I am Clay Travis download the podcast search out outkick like i said my name clay travis pretty easy to find this has been the monday super bowl edition of fox sports radio be sure to catch live editions of outkick the coverage with clay travis weekdays at 6 a.m eastern 3 a.m pacific oh, oh, oh,
1: O'Reilly. you need parts o'reilly auto parts has parts need them fast we've got fast